0: With everyone i 'm man just a room full of friends and heroes I' uh, just so good to be together with and worshiping with people that are that are really in the trenches and like making I just honor to be in, worshiping God and following God with some great people and I believe he 's got something good for us today from his word i uh, this is the first time i 've spoken on a Sunday for a few months actually. Um, if you have been around or if you know me, you know, and i don 't want to go into this too much or you know focus on this, but our family's been through the incredibly challenging process over the last year of my wife Reagan getting cancer, and then she passed away in January, and we took some really good time to, to process that, and God has been with us in that place and just doing good things, and um, obviously it 's difficult. But seeing God's faithfulness and just the, 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 the miracle, really, of having peace and hope and even joy come in the middle of, of the situation. And increasingly, for the last few weeks, I've been like, oh, man, I just can't. I just got so much I want to unload with people. Like, hey, when when can I preach again, basically? Um, but I, and I sort of feel this pressure, like, man, I need to be really profound and deep today. This is like should be coming out of some deep life stuff. But actually, as I got closer... Um, I was going to go a different direction, but I felt like the, there was a story we're going to look at today from the book of Judges that I just thought was so timely. It's not really related to anything directly so much that I've been going through, but I think it's timely for for our culture and for our church and for us. And so we're going to be looking at that um, today. And actually, so actually today and next week we're going to be looking at stories from the book of Judges. The I think we all know that the times we live in are pretty intense, right? We've got a first biggest war in Europe in like what's 80 years 70 years. Um, our economic system, don't get me started on that, but it's just increasingly revealed just like how much of a house of cards it is and how crazy our world's economic system is. There's just there's division and differences and it's very intense. And earlier this week I got together with other leaders and pastors from the, the the three other churches we partner with um, in our region. And our our senior leader, John McDermott, um, at the start of the meeting, he told us, he said, guys, I just, last night I had a dream, and I was just kind of processing all the stuff going on in our culture. And I felt like I heard the Lord say to me, you always wanted to live in a time like this. And John was like, you know, I did. You know, I'd read in history about all these epic sort of times, and I was like, man, I wanted to live in a time like that, and I can relate to that, because I always wanted to live actually in a time like this, although when the time like this hits, you're kind of like, ah, man, I don't know, but really, deep down in me, I've wanted to live in a time where, like, the tectonic plates of history seem to be coming together, and something very significant is happening, and I, hopefully, you have something in you that feels that way, because if not, too bad, because you live in a time like this. But we, we're not the first to live in a time like this. And in Judges, it was, a, we're, it was a time of chaos, it was a time of disorder, a time of oppression and evil, lack of good leadership, all sorts of things. And we see how God showed up and how certain people were part of what God was doing in those times. And so today we're going to look at one of those stories, um, it's, we're going to look at Judges chapter 4 and 5, kind of not, not all of it, but 4 is the story of, of two leaders who God used powerfully. It was Deborah and Barak. And so 4 is the story of how God used them to overthrow oppression. The, 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 these Canaanites that were oppressing the people of Israel. And then chapter 5 is just a song, actually. It's a whole song of triumph and deliverance that they sang to celebrate what God has, had done. We're actually going to focus more on that song. I'm not going to sing it for you, so don't worry. You all sounded really good this morning, by the way. I was just like, man, and the band is so good having a fuller band up here, and I, just all of us worshiping together. That was that was great. Um, but singing is important. Songs are important. Um, so we're going we're gonna to look at that. Um, But there are, so let's just jump right into it this morning. Um, We're not the first people to live in a time of evil and instability, and I'm just going to read from the screen here along with anyone else who wants to to read here today, starting in Judges 4. It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now that Ehud was dead, Ehud was a a leader, a judge um, that had delivered the Israelites from their previous oppressors, but when he died, people drifted away, and that happened over and over again throughout this course of history. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Heresheth Haggaiim. Because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. So we start off the story seeing how it was a time of oppression. These evil, the, the Canaanites, who were their enemies, got the upper hand, and they basically made the, the Israelites their slaves. This part of the country was a land full of forest, and so basically what was happening is they were putting the Israelites to forced labor at chopping down wood and dragging it around and, and making stuff as their, as their slaves. And, um, you know, lest we think that that's, and, and behind the, the physical oppression was a spiritual oppression. These were evil kings, evil cultures, they, they worshipped other gods, and there was all sorts of... Of, of evil and sin that was prevalent in the culture as a result of evil having the upper hand. And I just wanna we're gonna I just think it's important to realize that those same battle, the same that same battle is going on throughout history and today. And we're gonna listen to this recording. I back when I was a kid, it was before the internet and there was this thing called radio. Any you guys know radio? Yeah it's still around kind of but not not like it was back then. And there is a one of the most famous radio people was a guy named paul harvey who you know some of you are nodding your heads some of you yeah older old timers in the room and he he would do these takes and it was always and now the rest of the story um but he did this take in 1965 called if i was the devil and i just heard this was like wow this is very insightful and applicable so we're just going to listen to this this little recording of paul harvey um if i was the devil written in 1965 originally
1: And I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Good day.
0: Yeah, I don't know about you. When I read that, or I heard that, I was like, wow, that was pretty prophetic. (laughs) Uh, He was laying out what he could see... happening, and those things happen much more than they ha- had been, where they'd been at when he, when he said it first in 1965. And I think um, one interesting thing about the oppression of the enemy is it's, it's the old frog in the kettle analogy, right? It's like you put a frog in a kettle of water, and you slowly turn up the heat, and it doesn't notice that it's boiling because it's just kind of gotten used to it over time. And there are a lot of things... That, that's, that's, how, that's how oppression works. We just get so used to it that it doesn't even, it doesn't even phase us anymore. And um, I, this is a dangerous analogy, but I think it's applicable. That I, I remember, and I'm not saying that this is true of everyone, but I'm re- talking about mask wearing. I'm not saying that wearing a mask is always oppression or that if you wear a mask, you're under oppression. But I remember when I, f- like 15 years ago, when I would see pictures of people in Asia, all in the streets, everybody wearing face masks because of a fear of a disease, I remember just my repulsion at that feeling. Like, oh, those people, they are, and I lived in Asia as a kid, I just, those, they are such, they are bound up with fear. Like, there is a level of irrational fear that is just blanketing this whole culture. And I think there's, there are parallels. Again, I'm not saying that's like an absolute statement, but there is, you see, you know, like there are things that fear can easily come upon us that is not based in reality or science, but just something that so easily just like causes us to, to shrink back. And so the first way to get over oppression is we have to, we have to realize we're being oppressed. Um, in, in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Paul writes, and he says that in their case, the God of this world is blinded minds of the unbelievers. And really good oppression is when you don't even know you're being oppressed, is when your mind has been convinced that, oh, this is normal. This is okay. This is just, there's a, there's a rationale for it. And you're kind of going along with it. That's the best kind of, of oppression. And that's oftentimes what, what, what happens um, with, with our enemy, with the enemy of our souls. So in Judges 4, um, there's this this account. And we'll go back to it. So now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinuam, from Kidish and Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kedesh. It's interesting just that there is, God wants that he lost honor because of his response. His response was pretty good. He said yes, but it would have been better if he didn't hesitate, if he would have been quicker to say, okay, yeah, let's do it. And because of that, the full honor that was available for him was not going to be given to him, but it was going to be given to a woman. And so... But he 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 did pretty good. He still he he moved on. Um, Verse ten: There Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali; those were two of the tribes of Israel. And ten thousand men went up with him under his command. Deborah also went up with him. And uh, so he responds. This this army is gathered, and basically there was a quick victory, and the Canaanites turned tail and ran for their lives. And the leader of the, the Canaanites, a guy named Sisera, who's mentioned here, he fled to the tent of this this house, and the wife was named Jael. And it's a really cool story. It's not in most kids' Bible story books. But he thought she was an ally. And he's like, hey, can I come in? She's like, sure, come on in. And he said, "I'm hung, I'm thirsty. Can I have some water? She's like, hey, let me get you some milk, even better. And so she gives him this great thing of milk. And here's a couch, go, here's a bed, go ahead, take a nap, you're exhausted, he lies down and sleeps, and while he's asleep, she takes a tent peg and a hammer and drives it into his temple, just smashes the tent peg right through his skull, right into his temple, and he dies. And so, when the army comes, they're like, hey, have you seen this guy? She's like, yeah, come on in, there he is, and there he is, like, pegged to the ground. So... There's this, man, yeah, there's great, some great stories in the Bible. got to love it. <laughs> um, that's what you've got to do to oppression right there. So uh, the next chapter is this song of victory and celebration about what God had done. And it, the, the tide turned um, because of that. At the end of the chapter, verse 23 and 24, says, On that day God subdued Jabin king of Canaan before the Israelites, and the hand of the Israelites pressed harder and harder against Jabin king of Canaan until they destroyed him. So they got to celebrate. They got to sing a song. It's interesting. Like songs tell a lot about what's going on in a culture. It's very important. Um, In in ancient Israel, before the Israelite army went into battle, they were led by their priests and their worship team, their musicians singing praises of God. That was the beginning, like leading them into battle, and here afterwards as well. Um, So let's just we're gonna we're gonna just sing, not sing. We're going to read through most of this, most of this song. Uh, On that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abinuam, sang this song. And this is really our, kind of, if there was one verse to, to focus on for our theme today, it's right here. When the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. When the princes in Israel take the lead, or some translations say, when the leaders lead, and the people offer themselves freely. Praise the Lord. What led to the victory? What led to oppression being pushed back? It was when leaders led and people willingly offered their whole lives. That word, um, take the lead, it's actually not used anywhere else like this in the, in, in the Bible. Um, it's not a translated lead other places. It literally means, and here's a, here's a definition, to let go, loose, unbind, remove restraint from, free, or unclothed. It's the image of a, a turban coming off of someone's head. It's kind of like uh, Clay's, Clay's in the other room working with the kids, right, today? But he's, you know used to work at the dining center, and you've got to, if you work in a dining center or restaurant, so certain places around food, in the, in the kitchen, you've got to put a hairnet on, Right. You got to protect your hair. Well, this is like taking the hairnet off. It's it's like letting it all hang out. That's the idea. It's it's unbinding something. It's removing the restraints. It's removing the things that keep you in check. And when the princes are unbound, I just think that's really our our, our the title. Of this message is unbound. Unbound leaders. Unbound people. Becoming unbound. So many of us are, are bound up by so fears, insecurities, approval of other people, all the things that tie us up. And even Barack, you know, he was the top choice. But even he didn't respond as fully as would have been ideal because he was like codependent with Deborah. He was feeling like, oh, man, you know, I, I, need, I need you to stand with me before I'm willing to take that step. And... Fortunately, he got past that, but, um, you know, the main reason that we don't take the lead in life is because we're bound up by something on the inside. There's something or more than one thing that, that ties that holds us back. Um, I, you know, our, our culture, too, I think it's so endemic of leadership today is that what we see is calculating leadership, calculated leadership like always like testing the wind and being so like so many steps and there's media and there's all the implications and thinking through all that and there's a place for strategy but when it's so calculated that's not the kind of leadership that God is calling us into there's a place of of just knowing like this is there's injustice and we need to do something and I'm going to give my all to be part of rising up I know for the first half of my life I was so bound up with fears and insecurities and I was so shy I was just the quietest guy in my class and it was I can remember I wasn't like that as a little kid but I remember the encounter in first grade where just shame came into my life and it's the self-awareness and I just like from that point on I was so just afraid of saying of opening my mouth and I just remember being in class situations or with my friends and just like just terrified and when people with attention would come to me, I was just like so bound up with fear. And thank God, one of the greatest evidences Michael t- was talking about miracles in worship. And that was a miracle in my life. That when I really said yes to Jesus at a greater level, and then when I opened up my life and asked him to fill me with the Holy Spirit, like that changed. And I found myself speaking up in my classes in college and starting a Bible study on my dorm floor. And inviting the, the, the other RA on my floor, to, who was uh, the president of the LGBT group at my university, inviting him to a debate in front of our dorm. I was like, what happened to this kid? Well, God did a work, and he began to unbind me. And that was, that's what he wants to do in our lives. That's what he does in our lives. Um, he unbinds us. Many of us, now, I believe today, there's, there are things that God wants to just say, you know, there's that, that thing, that fear, that insecurity, that belief. I want to unbind you from that. Let's keep reading here because it's such a good song. Hear this, you kings. Listen, you rulers. I even, I will sing to the Lord. I will praise the Lord, the God of Israel, in song. When you, Lord, went out from Seir, when you marched from the land of Edom, the earth shook, the heavens poured, the clouds poured down water, the mountains quaked before the Lord, the one of Sinai, before the Lord, the God of Israel. And so, they're telling this story of this great victory that God brought. How the enemies, the the armies of their enemy, were totally defeated. But we got to go back to what triggered this happening. I mean, this is high. This is like poetic language. The whole earth shaking, mountains quaking. God's God's moving. God is moving, and He was, and He does, and He's ready to. I think we gotta see that was all triggered when a couple people said yes to him and stepped out in obedience and faith and got unbound. Then God showed up in that situation. And that's what happens with us. Like we're so often waiting for, okay, God, if you just like, if you'll just shake things up, and he's like, I will, but you gotta step out. And in that place where you step out, I'm gonna shake things up right there. They go on. And it says, in the day of Shamgar, son of Anoth, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned. Travelers took to winding paths. I just think that's such a picture of what life is like when we're under oppression, when we're bound up, is that we can't just live a direct path. You know, my first half of my life or so, I was, I couldn't just be up front. It was always like inner calculations and how do I avoid being put on the spot and oh how do I work around these fears and insecurities it's these winding paths that we we find ourselves living in so often but God wants to deliver us from that and it goes on village life ceased it ceased in Israel until Deborah arose arose a mother in Israel I I like that until all this happened until Deborah rose up until somebody said you know I'm not going to take it anymore Something needs to be done. And it's cool that she was a mother, because I just think it's like a, like a mother bear. You know, there's something like that, the, you hear the stories of like moms lifting cars off their kids kind of thing. Like when you love someone that much, when you care about somebody, it motivates you to get out of yourself. And there's this strength that's there that, that is nowhere else to be found. When they chose new gods, war came to the city gates, but not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. Um, you know, that's an interesting description that, first of all, when they followed other gods, they came under warfare. They were, they were defeated by their enemies. Um, but also, it shows that they were unarmed. There's th- they were unarmed. And I, I like what this, this commentary says about that. In Matthew Poole's commentary, he writes The meaning is not that all the Israelites had no arms but either that they had but few arms among them, being being many thousands of them disarmed by the Canaanites, or that they generally neglected the use of arms as being utterly dispirited and without all hope of recovering their lost liberty. You know, that they had had a lot of their weapons taken away, and even the weapons that they had, they were so dispirited that they weren't ready to use them. And think about that in america today that like christians so often feel like oh we're losing like every article i read about what's happening in our culture is talking about how well we're post-christian now and the church is in decline and that's this is the direction things are going and the church has less influence and christians have less influence and you know that does i think there are a lot of that seems to be an accurate indication in in for many reasons but we lose sight of the fact that God has given us weapons that that doesn't need to be the case. That doesn't need to be the case. He's given us, the the Bible talks about Ephesians 6, the spiritual weapons God has given us, the the sword of the spirit, which is his word, the shield of faith, which comes as we meditate on his word, the belt of truth. I mean, and we need those things. We need those things. I know in the the last year and just walking through the the battle and the journey with, with Reagan and our family, it was like, I could not have made it without the Bible. Like I could not have made it without going to God's word. Day after day, like, God, I need some. I need your truth. I need your insight. And then, as he is so faithful to do, getting truth, getting insight, getting encouragement, getting answers, getting, seeing hope rise, and going, you know what? Okay, this is this is the perspective of God. This is the truth. And I can live now. I know how to live. I have something, just even intangible on the inside from that. We, we live in a culture I, I, with so many Bibles available, but people it's really using those swords so little, so often. And, I mean, there's so much misinformation, even just to find the truth. There's misinformation from Russia. There's misinformation from China. There's misinformation from big media. There's, you know, misinformation from all sorts of sources, all sorts of governments, maybe even our own. There's all sorts of misinformation. How? We have to have the truth. We have to have the weapons that God has given us. And he's, he's, he's made those available if we'll just take those up and use them. Um, so let's keep reading here. Verse 9. Deborah and say, my heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people. Praise the Lord. You who ride on white donkeys sitting on your saddle blankets and you who walk along the road, Consider the voice of the singers at the watering places. They recite the victories of the Lord, the victories of his villagers in Israel. Then the people of the Lord went down to the city gates. The remnant of the nobles came down. The people of the Lord came down to me against the mighty. Some came from the tribe of Ephraim, whose roots were in Amalek. Benjamin was with the people who followed you. From Maker captains came down. From Zebulun, those who bear a commander's staff. The princes of Issachar were with Deborah. Yes, Issachar was with Barak, sent under his command into the valley. You know, I, I, this, is, this is pretty interesting. That after this great victory that God brought in the celebration, they're naming the names of the people who responded well. They're naming the names of the people who got unbound. The people who, who led. And the people who willingly offered up their lives. Be part of what God was doing, and it was like, yes, Issachar and Ephraim and Zebulun, like, yeah, you all responded. Your names are being written down. Here we're still reading about it. over thousand years later. Like, there's there's a record in history of the people who's who threw off, who were unbound, and who were part of God's battles. Um, that's there's always a scorecard. There's a scorecard, and it's for eternity of how we respond, of, of how we respond to what's going on in our day. But it's not only those who respond, but those who don't. Let's, let's listen to the next part of the song. In the, in the districts of Reuben, it's another tribe, there was much searching of heart. Why did you stay among the sheep pens to hear the whistling for the flocks? In the districts of Reuben, there was much searching of heart. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. And Dan, why did he linger by the ships? Asher remained on the coast and stayed in his coves. The people of Zebulun risked their very lives. So did Naphtali on the terraced fields. Wow, this is, I mean, this, I want to see this song in a rap form or something. But they're just like, not only celebrating the her- heroes, but also calling to task the people who didn't show up hey where were you where were you on that day oh you were hanging out by the coast you were watching your business you were tending to your own financial affairs you were you were concerned about your own peace and security and stability you played it safe hey we're going to write down your names too where the heck were you what were you doing and that's it works both ways right like we have the opportunity to be called in to, to what God is doing, in in standing with Him and expanding His kingdom, but we're called to account when we play it safe, and that's also remembered as well. Where were you? Where were you? I'll keep reading here, verse nineteen. Kings came; they fought. The kings of Canaan fought at Tannic by the waters of Megiddo. They took no, no plunder of silver. Then from the heavens the stars fought. From their courses they fought against Sisera. The river Kishon swept them away. The age-old river, the river Kishon. March on, my soul. Be strong. Now this is saying that as the people said yes, as they rose up, it wasn't just them, but heaven fought with them. Oftentimes in Scripture, when it talks about the stars, it's speaking of spiritual powers. It's speaking of the heavenly host. And again, we see that when they stepped out and were unbound, it unleashed something, not just in them and not just on earth, but in the heavenly realms. The armies of heaven were also unleashed to stand with them. And we need to know that. When we, like when we're facing our fear, when we're facing our insecurity, when we're facing what holds us back, that when King Jesus is calling us out to face that, when we say yes, then that activates spiritual power that we cannot access until we take that step. A lot of times we're waiting like, God, yeah, will you just change things and, and then, I'll, then I'll do it? But it works the other way around. That it's set up that when, when we step out, then spiritual power is released in that place. The River Kishon swept them away. The, uh, the historian, the Jewish historian Josephus, and others also wrote about, when they, they talked about this story, they said that actually the Kishon River was just this mild little kind of irrigation ditch. It wasn't that big of a river. But at the time of this battle, it actually, there were torrential rains, and it became like a, th- a flood stage. And the Canaanite armies were pushed by the Israelites into this, towards this river and they ended up get, getting forced into the river and many of them were swept away and drowned by this river. It's like, wow, just like God and nature and God works together as they stepped out and trusted him and stepped into what he was calling them to do. All right. Um, coming to the end of this. This is just, again, it would be much better in song form, I know, but I'm not going to sing it because... That would be much worse. But let's uh verse twenty two, then then thunder this sounds like a words wordsworth poem to me or something. Then thundered the horses' hooves, galloping, galloping go his mighty steeds. Curse Miraz said the angel of the Lord, curse its people bitterly, because they did not come to help the Lord, to help the Lord against the mighty. Miraz was a town in the direction where the battle was going, and apparently they were called out to help, and they just stayed on the sidelines. They played it safe. And so in the song, it's like, hey, there's a curse upon you because you, you played it safe in the time, the time of battle. Um, verse 24 Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, most blessed of t- tent dwelling women. He asked for water, and she gave him milk. In a bowl fit for nobles, she brought him curdled milk. Her hand reached for the tent peg. Her right hand for the workman's hammer. She struck Sisera. She crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. At her fe- at her feet he sank. He fell. There he lay. At her feet he sank, he fell. Where he sank, there he fell. Dead. When we when we rise up, epic things happen and songs to be sung. I mean we're, s- we're still reading about JL today because of the way she, she responded and rose up. Um, there's more in this song. There's some trash talking about Cicero and about his mom. Actually, you got to read that yourself. <laughs> um, basically, it's like, hey, she's worried about him not showing up. Um, but verse 31, we'll skip ahead of that. It ends the song. So may all of your enemies perish, Lord, but may all who love you be like the sun when it rises in its strength. Then the land had peace for 40 years. Wow. Land. And when they got unbound, it led to peace, not just for them, but for the whole nation, for a whole other generation for 40 years. So what are our takeaways? I just want to give us three quick, quick takeaways um, from this. There's, there's a lot. But one, see the oppression. We can't get free of the oppression until we see it. We got we to gotta see the places where the enemy has got his foot on our neck. And we're, we're bound up. That may be a certain fear, that may be pride, that may be lust, that may be whatever it is. But where is the enemy oppressing you? Um, you know, there, Where is he oppressing our culture? There's so many places we could talk about. We could talk about the oppression of the unborn. We could talk about big tech. We could talk about um, big, just uh, how drugs are used. how so many people are in, being oppressed through drug use. Legal and illegal, um, we can talk about ungodly political authorities around the world. There's there's so much oppression, and discontent is a great motivator for us to realize, man, things are not okay. There is the world is not the way God wants it to be. I man, there's I, God help me to see, and I just want to, I believe that needs to be an important prayer for each of us. God, where do you? I need to see the oppression in my life and in the world, so that I can be a part of of bringing freedom to that area. So see the oppression, and the second thing we second thing we got to do is get free ourselves. We got to get free ourselves. Um, Barack had to get free himself, and we have to we have to get saved. We have to get delivered. We have to get freed from the things that bind us. That takes praying to God. That takes other people praying for us. That takes steps of obedience. That takes sometimes like an ongoing ongoing process of walking out the things that have bound us. And held us under the, the sway of sin. and Whether it's habits or whatever that is. got to get free ourselves. And then the third thing we got to do is we got to join the army. You know, and Barack and Deborah sent the word out. And people joined the army. And you, you don't go to war by yourself. That's, that's a bad idea. And the same thing is we, we need to team up with other people. If we're going to be a part of, of bringing this freedom to, our, to ourselves and to others. Um... You know, I, just, I think it's so timely, even the, the ECC class we're doing the next two Sundays, because this is, this is kind of for our church saying, okay, this is who God has called us to be. This is what we're about. Who's, who's called to be part of that? Who wants to be part of that? And this is a chance to say, yes, I'm bringing my life, I'm bringing my time, I'm bringing my talent, I'm bringing my treasure, and I'm joining the army. And I'm saying, this is, this is where I'm called to be, and I'm going to bring my life and my resources to be part of this mission. And so that's just, you know, kind of making it official. It's, it's, ultimately, it's about relationships and tying, being teamed up with other people. But there's something about saying, yeah, okay, I want to be counted on the team. Where, whether it's this church or another church, it's essential that we join the Army and be part of God's mission. Um, all right. So see the oppression. Get free yourself. Join the Army. I know we're all in different places, but I, I want to kind of close with asking, where are you? And where are you today? Are you seeing a place where you've been hanging out by the coast? Seen a place where there's a half halfway answer? Or are you just like, man, I'm totally bound up. If I'm honest, like this lust is totally bound up my life. This fear is totally bound up my life. This... Man-pleasing is totally bound me up. This, this selfishness and living for myself has totally bound me up. Man, I, I need God to set me free. And, you know, maybe you're, God's wanting to encourage you that as we are taking those steps, that it's not in vain, but that the hosts of heaven are with us as we say yes to him. God is with us and the hosts of heaven, and he brings great things about as we do that. So I want to just pray for us. You know, there's a confidence that as we say yes, that God comes with us. God does great things. God is doing great things. I mean, there's just so many stories I heard this week of breakthroughs in people's lives. God is doing that. And let's, let's be saying yes to him. So I'm going to pray. And as I, as I, as I pray, um, the worship team, you can come on back up. And we're going um, to worship with a song um, as we go out, too. But let's uh let's let's pray together. Father, we worship you this morning.